Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. I want to tell you a story about a boy in his junior year of high school. He had a gift for speech. He had a gift for oratory. And he was taken with his teacher to go and compete. There was a competition, a speech competition, close to three hours away, and they rode by bus up to Dublin, Georgia, to compete in the contest. He spoke that day as a 15-year-old, and he said in his speech, Black America still wears chains. The finest Negro is at the mercy of the meanest white man. That was Martin Luther King, Jr. He was declared the winner of the contest. And on the ride back to Atlanta, I would imagine that he was glad that he came. I would imagine that he was glad that he had the courage to speak up. I, was, I would imagine that he was glad that, that that smile on his teacher's face, that pat on the back, that ribbon or trophy or whatever he came away with, that he was glad that would soon be interrupted as the bus stopped and lifted, picked up some white passengers. And King was told with his teacher to get up out of their seats so the white people could sit down. At first, King refused until the irate bus driver vehemently cussed him out, the teacher pulling him and saying, King, get up. Martin, get up. Martin, get up. Gritting his teeth, she convinced him, and he stood. And for the duration of the ride back to Atlanta, he stood on the bus, speechless. He would later write, That night will never leave my memory. It was the angriest I have ever been in my whole life. Today we acknowledge Martin Luther King, and more than acknowledge, we celebrate him. Today brings different emotions. That story brings different emotions. Glad for his life. Mad at what he went through. Sad at the state of things. Scared that it's not over. Shame for the ways that we've been complicit or participated. Or shocked that that was once a reality not so long ago. You could feel glad for his courage while even feeling sad at his experience. You may feel mad at that bus driver or mad at racism. You could feel glad that we've made progress and shame that we're not there yet. But gladness, which we're going to talk about today, requires a memory. So we're in our sermon series now called More Than a Feeling. We're taking a look at our emotions. Our emotions are more than a feeling. They provide us with an opportunity for greater understanding of ourselves and intimacy with God. Doug Hammarskjöld says this. He says, the longest journey of any person is the journey inward. Our title, More Than a Feeling, suggests there is more to our emotions, and we could benefit from taking a closer look. So where are you today? What emotions are you feeling? I feel like there's a ton in the room. 
I feel like there's reasons to be glad for the people that are present. I feel like there's reasons to be sad for the people we lost this week. I feel like there's reasons for a lot of feels based on Brian's announcement. Glad for 27 years, sad for the change. Maybe wondering, God, what are you going to do? If you have your journals with you, there's a feelings wheel in there. Maybe you picked one up today. Maybe you don't need a feelings wheel to choose a word of how you're feeling, what your emotion is. And by what I've just said, you're probably feeling a few. There's more than one, I'm sure. But today we're talking about glad. But understanding glad takes a new nuance. Oftentimes, glad can get thrown in with happy. It could get thrown in with joy. But I want to tell you, there's a lot more going on with glad. A lot more than what's on the surface. Because gladness requires a memory. Would you pray with me and then we'll jump in. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the stability you have provided through amazing leadership in this church. I thank you for a trust in you for the way forward. I thank you, Lord, for June, who we lost this week. I thank you, Lord, for my friend Brian, who came today for the first time in a long time. It is so good to see his face. I thank you, Lord, for Martin Luther King, who brought about great change whose life would be forever marked by a day he would never forget. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Psalm 118, 21 through 25. If you'd like to turn to your Bibles, you can do that, and it will also be up on the screen. It says this, says, I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The Lord endures forever. When we give attention to this psalm, it reveals that there are two tenses being sung. The psalmist reflects on the past as he informs on the present. Our emotions, they carry a backstory because gladness requires a memory. Now let's look at it this way. I'm going to read it again, but think of it. Look at the tense of the verbs. It says, I will give you thanks now for you answered me in the past. You have become my salvation, present. The stone the builders rejected, past, has become the cornerstone, present. The Lord has done this in the past, and it is marvelous in our eyes in the present. The Lord has done it this very day, from the past up until now. Let us rejoice today and be glad in the present. This particular psalm was likely sung at a time when there was excitement and celebration and something new. 
It's said that it was probably sung at the rededication of the temple, at the start of church becoming a new thing. But the gladness expressed in the psalm doesn't stand alone. It comes with it a backstory. There's a history behind why they celebrate. And that history, if you look at Israel's past, was preceded by defeat. It was preceded by destruction. It was preceded by a temple that was destroyed. It was preceded by, by being overcome with their enemies, by having a, an awful finish, an end, an exile, and a hope that the new would be amazing. And so now at the rededication of a temple, I sing about the past in the present. I sing about where we were and I celebrate where we are because the past informs it. Gladness requires a memory. David was the author of many psalms like this one and many of them were full of gladness. But consider David's past which inspired his gladness. It says of David that he once fought a lion. Now, I don't know about you, but if I ran into a lion, I'd be like, really, God? Like, this is what we're doing today? And yet he overcomes the lion. So that he could speak of that lion in his past and he could say, I had to fight a lion. It was crazy. But I celebrate who I am and what God has done because I'm alive (laughs) It says that David fought a bear. I would imagine that was a very similar feeling. Anyone fight a bear? (laughs) Maybe it was the giant. Maybe it was, oh my gosh, my problems are bigger than I ever thought they would ever be. And yet David could sing in the future very much alive that the experience he had in the past, God had brought him through it. David would sing in those psalms, I was surrounded by my enemies, but you lifted me up. You overcame all of my worries and all of my foes. God, you were there. David's gladness, his reason for worship, requires a memory. God, I was so scared when, I was so full of shame when, or maybe like Martin Luther King at 15 years old, God, I've never been so angry in my whole life. Brian talked last week about the elephant, how our emotions can take us to places we don't intend to go. This image allows us to see that emotions are powerful, that emotions make us do things we wouldn't normally do and take us where we wouldn't normally go. Emotions need to be tamed by the writer. Dan Allender writes this about the reason we can't ignore the elephant. He says, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. And here's the good news about gladness, is it can actually coexist with all of the other emotions that we are experiencing this week in this room or ever, that gladness can happen at the same time. And the good news is, is that it can overcome the others. 
We might experience many emotions at the same time. I can be glad about the profound impact that Martin Luther King had while feeling mad about injustice. I can be glad for a season with a great partner in ministry who is feeling God's leading into a new adventure while also feeling sad he's leaving. In my own life, I can feel glad at what God has done in my past, glad that I am alive, and a little curious to see what God is going to do next. Our gladness requires a memory. Gladness can steer the elephant even while the other emotions are there on the feelings wheel. Whatever ones you looked at today when you thought, man, what do I feel? Gladness can overcome those. And here's the key. I can be glad in the midst of any other emotion when I remember the past and what God has already brought me through. So David's adult life was filled with reasons to be all of these emotions, to be mad, to be sad, scared, shamed, and shocked. David had reasons to feel every one of them. But his memory held reminders of God's goodness to him. His memory made space for gladness to steer his heart. So I want to invite you at this time, in our More Than a Feeling series, we're inviting you to do these things, to name it, to identify the emotions that you're feeling today, to tame it, what caused it, and to release, to claim it, to release the emotion and the false belief to God and receive his truth, to proclaim it, to share with others what you've gained. So let's take a minute to invite, I just want to invite you to identify your own emotions. Maybe in naming it, there's more than one. Maybe you're feeling, a, feeling the whole wheel. <laughs> Maybe you've got all of those emotions going on. Check your memories for the times God was good to you. What are you glad about? like to invite the worship team up. Martin Luther King Jr. had a memory he would never forget. Basking in the light of glad that day after winning the prize, after winning the contest, after speaking up. So abruptly taken from him to be replaced with mad at the bus driver who stole his dignity. Mad at a system of injustice Sad that so many of his brothers and sisters would feel the same thing. A sense of shame at his cowardice to resist the bus driver in one chaotic moment. But as Martin grew up, Jesus would get a hold of his life. To say, I see your memory. I see the moments you felt powerless. I see your shame. I see the parts you're not proud of. I see you with all of your regrets and I'm here to redeem all of them. The same David that fought the lion, the bear, and the giant, he goes on to make one of the greatest mistakes in scripture. He misuses his power and his position to take another man's wife and when he finds out she's pregnant, he has her husband Uriah killed to cover up his sin. I wonder how David could ever get out of his mind what he'd done. Perhaps he would say, that memory will never leave me. 
like blood on my hands that I can't wash off. It's my shame. It's my sad. Fast forward to the very first chapter of the New Testament in Matthew 1, and it tells of Jesus' genealogy, his forefathers. Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David. And not only that, the genealogy intentionally specifies that Jesus was a descendant of Bathsheba, the wife he stole from the man he killed. That Jesus would descend from the son they bore together, that out of David's regret, my God would bring redemption to the story, to his greatest mistake. He turns David's greatest regret into the means by which the world will see Jesus. Jeremiah 31, 13, a voice of a prophet who speaks to a people who are wayward, a people who had a ton of mistakes, speaks the words of God and he says, I will turn their mourning into gladness. The places of their regret will be the places where new life is born the places where everyone will see Jesus. I don't know what your regrets are. I don't know of the places that you have that have made you say, I wish I did that differently. But I want to tell you about a Jesus who can take those regrets and make them into something wonderful. I imagine a 15-year-old on a bus who says, man, I wish I acted differently. But God would use that regret and redeem it by saying, I'm going to take that feeling that you're experiencing and I'm going to take you into a place where you will be threatened, your life will be threatened, people will shoot at you, people will try to kill you for what you're saying. But that resolve, that experience that you had at 15 that said, I will not experience that regret again, I will go forward. I will take my regret and the things that God has in me and I will allow the Savior to redeem those experiences so that other people will see Jesus. We're going to go into a time of communion. It's a reminder that Jesus knows your every memory, the things you've regretted, the things of your mistakes, the ways you wish you would have done things differently, the things of your past that make you feel unworthy or make you feel unqualified to be his representatives, a reflection of who he is to the world. God says, I'm going to redeem that. That mistakes, the mistakes you've made, I'm going to redeem them. Through you, Jesus would reveal himself to the world. As we transition into a time of communion, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to pray and examine your heart before the Lord. If you would like to participate in communion with us, you can now grab your elements. If you are a follower of Jesus, I extend this invitation to you. Come to the table, not because you must, but because you may. Not because you're strong, but because you're weak. Come not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. 
come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. I would also like to read from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may now take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You may now take the cup. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.